Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You don't want to have all your cash locked up in an investment property and then pull out pull out your own cash to then go and buy your own home, which means you're left with a larger home loan debt. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're talking to mortgage broker and managing director of Attila Wealth, Aaron Christie David. He will dive into his busy career including how it began in liquid marketing to now co-owning a successful business. As well as this, he'll share the risk of overcapitalizing and why having home security is so important when investing. Christy David is a co-owner of mortgage broker Attila Wealth and he and his team are on a mission to provide an excellent experience and service for their clients. I specialize in helping property investors scale up their portfolio. So what I call the uh, frustrated investor is who I help. So someone that's keen and ambitious to build and maybe they've just hit a wall here and there. Maybe it's borrowing capacity, maybe it's knowledge or maybe it's just a bit of equity as well. So they're kind of the bottlenecks that we help out with. Uh, my title uh, is the yeah, Managing Director of Atelier Wealth, which is our mortgage broking business. Uh, but really, mate, uh, I'm also known as Dad. I've got two little girls. Uh, they're three and a half and one and a half, so Sienna and Zara, our little girls, and I'm married to Bernadette, who I also run the business with as well, mate. And um, it's been a it's been a great journey on uh, on not only setting up and building this business, but now taking it to the next level, which is growing and uh, and scaling up our own business as well, which I'm getting a real kick out of. You can only assume that running a business and having two young children must be full on. How does Christy David manage all of his responsibilities? What's the saying? If you want a job done, give it to a busy person. And I think, I think about pre-children, how much time I used to have, and that's certainly not a not a dig at anyone that doesn't have kids. I don't think you have to have kids to be busy. But uh, personally, for me, I just used to. There were things that I fulfill my time up, whether that was gym, whether that was, you know, one of the Spartan races or tough matters, or so. So I used to get a real kick out of doing that. You have less time now to, to dedicate property to yourself so you get a little bit choosy on what you say yes to and also you 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 say yes to things that you know you're going to enjoy so whether it's catching up with mates or a couple of dads we catch up for beers locally and that's really good quality time or that or it's family time and when you're with your family because you've been able to have that outlet you tend to show up a little bit better and i think that's where having time for yourself also helps you kind of have time for your family and how you show up and and the way that you show up as well these races that Christy David mentioned sound like a lot of fun. Let's hear a little bit more about them. They're probably about you know, 10, 12, 15K races with all the different obstacle courses. So, uh, And then you know you get quite dirty, so there's mud involved and there's you know, water involved. Uh, 
and I, I used to love it. So you do it with a couple of mates. Even Bernadette used to join in. And so when you, it gives you something to train towards because if you go into the gym, it's great, but you need a deadline. You need something to train towards. And having one of those races just gave me a bit of a deadline to work towards. And I love a bit of competition, as you probably can tell. So I need to work against the clock or work against a friend uh, to get that competitive spirit going as well. But look, it's it's enjoyment mixed with a bit of challenge as well. And yeah, I do like I do like that notion of training towards something. And it's for me personally, you know, then tend to eat better, sleep better, um, and it's just something fun. It's an outlet, and we all need outlet, regardless of what type of work you do. You need that outlet, just something to have a bit of steam and and enjoyment as well. Fitness is obviously a very big part of Christy David's life and exercising is his ideal start to any day. After that, the rest of his busy life resumes. Gym in the morning uh, is an ideal day. Gym in the morning, spend a bit of time with the girls, get them ready for school, but it will drop them in the office usually somewhere between 8.30 and 9. Uh, typically quite a lot of client calls. So I do a lot of our new inquiries uh, that come in, talk to some of our existing clients during the day. We do a team meeting every morning at 9.15 as well. I do make time for lunch, so again, making sure that I block that time out and I try to be home somewhere around 6 o'clock. So it, I kind of jam-pack my day so I can be you know, kind of on the ball and productive and not too much downtime and then be home for bar time, get the girls ready and, and get a quality time mucking around at night, read a few books, put them to bed by at 7.30, which means we can clean up and hopefully have a bit of downtime for Bernie and ourselves. And I say this uh, This would be an ideal day. So some days are great and some days it's just all bets are off because a sick child or you know, work's got a little bit busy as well. But, yeah, it's all part, of, all part of the journey. Let's rewind in Christy David's life and explore how he got to where he is today. My parents are from Sri Lanka originally. My, my parents moved to, uh, to Saudi Arabia, which was where I was born. Uh, so, you know, quite unusual to have that on your birth certificate and in your passport as well. And then we migrated to Australia when I was two. Um, so there was a civil war going on in Sri Lanka. So uh, Australia was a very, uh, it was a very welcoming country. And, you know, you look back in hindsight, you know, like, what a great decision that has been to, to come to this country. And so we're really fortunate uh, to be here. And when I say we, I've got an older brother and a younger brother. So one of three boys. Uh, and we grew up uh, in the working class suburbs of southwest Sydney in the Denzer Park, pretty much where we grew up our, most of our lives. And I uh, went, you know, went to one of the local public schools and then uh, high schooling, I went to Macquarie Fields High, which you know, my parents, you know, new to the country, thought they were doing a great thing. And uh, that was a part selective school. And, um, and look, it was an interesting, it's an interesting place to school and, and to grow up, right? So. Um, used to commute down to Macquarie Fields and there was kids that were because it's got a and everyone, anyone knows the area so I'm not speaking ill of it but it's got a it's got part housing commission to it and then you've got the selective school kids right so it's kind of like this best of both worlds you, you, you become street smart very quickly because you may be one of the nerdy kids at school but you've got all these you know, cool kids as well so a real mishmash of cultures and I've still got some really really good friends from school who have gone to do you know, some amazing things as well so I, I um, and probably like a lot of people, I don't feel like school defined me in terms of where it was, but the school friends that I've got, I feel I've, we're, yeah, we've been defined by each other, which is we, you know, we've, we've not let that tag sit with us. We've gone to do some, you know, some big and amazing things as well. I'm kind of proud of, you have to, you have to embrace that where you grew up and, and what your parents were trying to do for you. And There are multiple selective schools in Sydney. 
So why did his parents send him to that particular one? It's probably the one that I got into uh, would be the short answer to that, Tyrone. So you do you do your selective school test, you know, and um, and so that was the school that I that I was eligible to go to. Um, yeah, my younger brother was he was much smarter than me, so he went to Hurlston. Um, but yeah, so three brothers, three different schools, three different unis, uh, which probably was logistically such a nightmare for my folks when I think about having kids now. Um, but yeah, so for us, we, I think we had very different, and it's great. Um, we had three different skills, three different types of the way we learn, three different, you know, uh, personalities, behaviors. So I think our schools really reflected. Like my younger brother was very academic, very academic. Me, me not so much. Um, I like playing sports, like having fun, and probably going to too much trouble. And my older brother, he was great at sports, so he went to Westfield Sports. And so yeah, it kind of it probably aligned. Without my parents even know, it probably really aligned to who we were as kids and that's why we, yeah, that's why I went to those schools. After finishing high school, Christy David continued his education at university. I went on to do my, my uh, tertiary studies over at UNSW, so did uh, Bachelor of Commerce there and, uh, and that was, to me, I feel like that journey, when you look back at it, was, was I don't know, super exciting. You didn't know at the time but, you know, all the roads have led to me to here. When starting university, Christy David didn't really know what he wanted to do. I wasn't great with numbers, which is kind of ironic, which is what I do now. But um, I was a little bit more into the creative side. And a lot of people said, well, could you consider marketing, for example? Uh, And so I felt there was a few people saying it. There had to be something about it. Uh, And I was really fortunate that the UNSW had a separate program, uh, intake program, uh, which was Bachelor of Commerce, but it was Tourism Hospitality Hospitality. based as well and marketing so you got you got into you had to do an interview to get into this program and then you selected i think 55 or 60 uh, kids as part of the cohort so you almost were going into another school program which is a bigger class of say 55 60 and we were in this same program all the way through it was a four-year degree so a bit of a bolt onto the to the normal uh, bachelor of commerce and there were so many different personalities you know there were there were international students there were local students there were People like to party, though. People enjoy the uni lifestyle, and there was someone like this that, that you know, kind of found our feet a little bit more academically as well. So, yeah, such a good cross section. But I loved uni for the fact that it's such a level playing field. Right? It doesn't matter what school you went to, uh, you all were in the same class. And I feel like that was the way. That's the real world. I feel like that was my first real foray into this is the real world. It's based on merit to get to this point. Uh, it wasn't based on what school you went to or, you know, you had to get the marks obviously, but to do the interview, then you needed to be aligned to how the program was running and what your intentions were. So I feel like that, that to me more than the course really just gave me this confidence to go, I've interviewed and I've got into this program and then the people here want to be in this program and we went through that together as a a cohort. That's a unique experience because you don't typically get that in you, you're just kind of one of many in the system, right? What is the difference between this course and a regular Bachelor of Commerce? The program was yeah, they commonly known as HOSPO. So anyone that's done Bachelor of Commerce at USW knows about the HOSPO guys and girls. Um, so it was a little bit a little bit different. And so it was, I guess, the university's way of expanding to offer into tourism management and hospitality. So if you want to go into that path without necessarily going to a college, it's university and tertiary uh, qualified as well. So there was some people from our um, from our cohort that went into like hotel management jobs 
Yeah, and that was kind of fast-tracked as that career path or tourism marketing, for example, um, or those type of roles, but more at a senior level is what you come out of university. Um, and then there was a traditional path to go into a marketing role, which is quite a lot of that number of our colleagues did. So, yeah, it was kind of, it could take you on different, different, a different direction, but yeah, it was like a substream of, of commerce marketing that it would d- open up different doors if you wanted to as well. And so that's why it had that hospitality um, spin and flavor to it as well. This course also set Christy David up well for life after university. That's the other part with the degree. You had to do summer workplace experience and write about that. So I had good experience coming out of the degree and that again was another was another uh, strong proposition of that, that program. Uh, so after uni, I was fortunate to pick up a job. Uh, I moved into liquor marketing, so working under Metcash. So you know, IGA supermarkets, they've got the bottle shops. So really competing against... Liquorland, Dan Murphy's, you know, Coles Liquor, that type of brand. So I worked on what they call um, celebrations and coming up with a new brand called the Bottolo. Uh, so I, I moved into a marketing role, you know, FMCG type style role. Uh, and that kind of taught me a lot. You get thrown in the deep end, you know, learning spreadsheets, learning meetings, learning all the technical skills that come with being in a, in a smaller corporate environment, which was wonderful. And I was there for, a, for quite a few years, loved the experience, great, great smaller team as well. And then from there I moved, that's where I kind of moved into financial services. So I got my first role in financial services working for Wizard um, Homelands uh, in marketing. So, and I was really fortunate, like you look at Wizard now in hindsight, that's what you almost call like a disruptor now, right? So a real challenger brand. And I think, again, that suited me because I like being number two. I like being the challenger. I like hunting, for example. And it's the, the culture was that, was like we were always the challenger brand. Um, you know, there wasn't the beautiful processes or it wasn't well-structured. It was like fly by the seat of your pants. We've got an idea, let's just execute. And so everyone, it probably doesn't surprise a lot of people, that's how it was run, right? Like we've got an idea, let's do it. And, um, and it was that type of culture. And I loved it. You know, I worked under some really incredible leaders there. Obviously, Mark Burris was running it, but that was towards the tail end of the business. Uh, yeah, Brad Seymour is one of the guys that started that with Mark, and we've become really good friends even to this day. And uh, and the people that I've met there just seem to attract a certain personality. Like you had to be that personality. Whereas once Wizard was sold off to Aussie and then you know, effectively we all lost our jobs at the height of the GFC. From here, Christy David took a small career break and then moved to another company. That's where I got a role at the Commonwealth Bank. So you look at the culture at Commonwealth Bank, which is your number one and there's everything to lose. You look at the culture at Wizard and go, there's nothing to lose. Like There's such different, you almost become a square peg in a round hole in a big bank because you're just like, hey, let's try this. And they're like, no, no, no that's not going to work because, we, you know, we have to tread a very fine line um, as well. So, look, I really enjoyed my time at CBA. You know, it's like the dream you get into a big bank, for example. You meet some incredible people, some very, very – the bank attracts, you know, high-caliber talent as well. And it's, you know, such a big place to work that there's so many different parts of what's going on. But I knew, I knew deep down inside that I just couldn't see myself being a career banker or working my way up through. And I think – not I think, I definitely know that penny drop moment for me was my older brother and I, we were going to go do our MBAs and we're trying to do the, um, we're, we're both trying to do the, because you've got to do like, what is it, like an entrance test, an assignment. 
And my brother did his, he breezed through it and I struggled just to understand why I was doing it. I'm like, no, this is not the right idea for me. And I said, well, I'm going to take and spend this money on the MBA. Why don't I take this and start a business? You do your MBA and let's see how we go. <laughs> let's see how this path takes it. So, yeah, we turned everything into a competition, my older brother and I. Um, and and he suited it. He loved it. My, again, my, my older brother is very, is very corporate and that suits him very well. For To me, I'm like, I just don't like the rigidity of it. And so to me, I'm like, well, the real life MBA is doing and starting your own business. So that's why I initially started on a I bought an existing mortgage choice franchise over in Alexandria. It's a really good, you know, nice part of the inner city in, uh, in Sydney. Christy David ran the franchise, but after roughly one year, he came to the decision to resign the business. Just realized that the franchise model, again, I almost found myself in like a, almost a corporate style model, which made it hard for me to scale that business. And that's when we made the decision to, to resign and retire the, the franchise back to mortgage choice. And then we left and, and we started Atelier Wealth now six years ago uh, on our own. So it's been a real journey. Um, but at no point do I feel like there was any mistakes made because you connect the dots looking backwards going, that led to that, that person led to that, that decision led to that. So it's, at the time it feels, oh, why, didn't, why did we choose the Morgan's Choice franchise? Be like, but that, you can't say that because I met some amazing people and I, I, I learned a lot through that process as well that maybe that step if removed wouldn't have led me here today. Coming up after the break, and Christy David will tell the story of his first property investment. I'm like, all right, well, it looks okay. Um, I can afford it. And I've you know, been saving up a fair bit as well. So. He shares the risks of overcapitalizing. It's not what the market wanted. And so... It, it struggled to sell in a hot market and we're like, yeah, because it was over-renovated. We'll discover one of his aha moments. This may go against the grain sometimes of investing, but the security of having your own home cannot be understated. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey there. Over the years, I've built up a portfolio of properties and it's been great to see capital growth. But the challenge I face is the passive income has been quite poor, providing a net return of 3 to 4% per annum. I'd have to buy at least 10 properties or more to generate $100,000 per year. Now, if I had the cash to buy these outright, which I didn't, then I need the help of banks and as they wouldn't lend me more, I was stuck. This is when I start looking into alternative investments where I could use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns and fast track my passive income goal. In a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve this goal and have tripled my passive income instead. Now, if you want to learn more on how I did this, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32 and I'll send you a free report explaining how I did it. Let's take a look at the first property that Christy David invested in. Let's cast the mind back. So my first property purchase would have been, so I started the bank 2009, so probably about 2010, I'm going to say. So that's when I was working at Commonwealth Bank. Um, you know, you're on, a, you're on an okay salary. I just, one of my dad's friends was a real estate agent. That's literally how this happened. My dad was playing cricket with him. He's like, 
I've got a property, you should buy it. That's that's all. And I had no research, I had no idea what I was buying. Uh, I'm like, well, he's selling property. I've got to trust this guy. Um, and it was a two-bedroom unit over in North Parramatta. And I'm like, all right, well, it looks okay. Um, I can afford it. And I've you know, been saving up a fair bit as well. So I'm like, right, I, this can make, I can make this happen. And so I bought it. Um, and back then, I'm going to tell you, it probably wasn't worth more than 300000 350000 is what I bought it for. Um, two better. It wasn't hard to get rent. So I rented that out, for example. I did get the first homeowner's grant back then. So you know, lived in it for six months. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to spend a cent on it because he's like, you don't need to. It was, only, it was okay condition. It wasn't great. You know, when you think uh, those old style apartments, you know, the apple crumble ceiling, um, the, the, you know, the great archways, you know, they're um, not well laid out. So the aspect was terrible so, yeah, near a main road. So you look back and you're like, you, I, sometimes you should be embarrassed of the first property you buy because it's just any into the market. I was very embarrassed of this one. <laughs> Um, but everyone was like, you know, Parramatta is a good corridor. After this first purchase, Christy David was able to invest in a second property. I uh, was able to buy uh, able to buy another unit out in Liverpool. Uh, and so that was the second purchase that I bought as well. And then, that, I mean, that was going, I, I wouldn't say it was great. It's, it's an apartment in Liverpool. So I, I say this now, but at the time, it's just you don't know what you're doing, right? And I, I only wish I knew 5% of what I know now. It's like... There'd be different decisions to be made, but it was just like buy, just buy property and get in. And look, it was cash flow neutrals, all the above. It was good rent near the, near the station, so it was ticking boxes at the time. And uh, and then a couple of years later, and when I left the bank, and then that transition to becoming self employed, it's a journey because your borrowing capacity just pretty much comes to a grinding halt until you can you know get two years of financials or you know have the ABN registered for two years and then have enough income and you know, you do invest back into your business. Um, so that kind of meant I was in the wilderness for quite some time. And, um, so we were, we were living out towards little bay. So out past Maroubra, Bernie and I, um, renting. And that's when we thought, Hey, look, we like the area. Why don't we buy? And so made, you know, made the next decision, which is to buy off the plan. And we thought we bought a lovely ground floor apartment because we thought we'd live there and be near the beach. Uh, so you look back now, you're like everything probably I shouldn't have done. I did, um, you know, I bought units, <laughs> I bought off the plan. Um, but again, looking back now, so we, we ended up, when we had that decent run a couple of years ago is when we sold uh, Liverpool and Parramatta. So with that, right. um, I was of the belief, you know, never sell, for example. And then Bernie and I were like, look, we did the numbers. We could take the cash out. We could buy something of quality, buy our own place. And, and that's when we decided to buy, you know, it was a really nice property in Little Bay. And then, and then we found out we were having a, a baby. And so, you know, we considered ourselves rent investors at the time because we had at that stage, you know, three properties um, and, you know, we're renting. So, like, okay, we're rent investors and we'll continue with this model as well. That and then, then finding out that we're expecting a baby, I'm like, that's the real turning point for us. And I, I think this is where I have that level of empathy when I speak to a lot of rent investors in, you know, in my line of work as a broker I'm like, okay, great. But the game does change when you start to have a family. You know, renting uh, renting is great, but there's a little bit of instability attached to that, you know, they, when, we, when we felt it. 
Over four years ago, Christy David and his family made the decision to leave Sydney for the South Coast. So the sea change was a new, you know, relatively new thing. We're leaving Sydney behind, um, yeah, only an hour and a bit south, but still far enough to go, hey, look, we need to figure out where we want to live and if this is the right decision for us. So we made a decision to rent for maybe you know, six to 12 months, and that's when we had our, our first daughter, Sienna. And... Yeah, and then COVID hit and then prices just went kaboom, you know, down here. And um, and that's when we said, all right, we'll bunker down and save and just keep looking to buy. And that's when that's when we were able to buy our family home. We're in a suburb called Winuna, which is just the next suburb down from Bulleye on the south coast. Uh, and we we're really fortunate. You know, this is the type of home that we wanted, so someone we can, you know, grow into as a family. You know, you got some from upstairs, you got some decent water views. Um so for us, that's what that's where we are. You know, so we've bought, sold. In the midst of all that, we uh, we renovated Liverpool before we sold. Uh, sorry, Parramatta before we sold it. Um, you know, you talk about learnings. Man, did we overcapitalize? Like we went all out. We uh, we knocked out the archways. We put beautiful wooden floors. We subway tiles. Uh, totally over-renovated the property, over-capitalised. It was like, this is what we want because, you know, we're city slickers. Um, it's not what the market wanted. And so it, it struggled to sell in a hot market and we're like, yeah, because it was over-renovated. Um, and so we learnt a lot actually from that. I was like, should we just have sold it? Um, did it need to be renovated? So, again, you know, you build you build this muscle you know, muscle memory of learnings and, and, and the journey going, all right, We'll bank that idea, that, that learning and go, right, what does the market actually want versus what do we think it wants as well? Looking back, Christy David thinks that putting so much effort into this property was a mistake. Uh, I definitely feel like uh, over overcapitalizing was the worst decision that we made. And look, in the grand scheme of things, it's not terrible because we made the money back. But dollar for dollar, so we didn't actually make any money, we just made the money back, right? Which when you're renovating, it's not the idea. Um, so to me, I'm like, yeah, the the worst mistake was spending all this time and effort on a property that wasn't going to give us any better returns for all the effort to then have trades, manage the trades, be out of the house for ages, you know, on top of you know, running the business. Uh, no, in hindsight, just would not have done it. Would have just sold it, moved on, and sometimes speed, speed, speed to make a decision and speed to sell can be your best friend as well. Now, let's hear about another one of Christy David's lessons from his time of investing. This may go against the grain sometimes of investing, but the security of having your own home cannot be understated. Yeah, and where I see that is a lot of people will go down the rent investing path and this is what happens for younger people, right? I'll play this out particularly for our younger clients because they're typically the ones that go into the rent investing model. Rent vest, rent vest, and then when they go to buy their own home, where is the cash going to come from to buy their own home? Because the cash has been tied up in all these investment property purchases. So now they've got to pull out equity, which means they've got to borrow their own money back to then go and buy their own home. And that's typically when they've probably met the one or they're going to have a family, for example. And so, you know, rent investing got them to this point, but there weren't parts that were considered around buying your own home. And, yeah, if I if – I, not that I would do it differently, but I'd like I'd buy our own home and then go down and buy investment properties. 
yeah? Because typically what you're buying when, let's say you're in your 20s, Tyrone, with all due respect, you're at the lowest income levels that you're ever going to earn in your life. So you're typically buying cheaper property, yeah? It's what you can afford. It's not necessarily good good investment-grade properties. They're buying what you can afford, yeah? And so typically, you know, Sydney, you're buying apartments, in your 20s, you're buying units. And so, yeah, a lot of them were okay, but none of them were great unless you bought in a really good location. So to me, I'm like, yeah, having that longer-term view and then going, okay, so what happens when you want to buy your own home? And that just asking that question now of clients when they go, when they're investing, like what happens when you want to buy your own home? The penny drops for them, just like it dropped when we were looking to buy quite some time ago. Okay, yeah, how does this work? In a future episode of Property Investory, Aaron Christie David will explain the steps he takes before buying a property. They're going to speak to a number of buyers, agents, and where they're looking to buy. So we will hear about some other investing strategies. So, because we don't have that rampant market anymore, people can afford to sit around and wait. He will delve into the importance of a good mindset. The mindset, I mean, that's where the battle is. And that's next time on Property Investory. If you love the show and you're a wholesale investor wanting to learn more about how I got started in alternative investments, where I've been able to use my equity and cash to generate 25 to 30% per annum returns to fast track my passive income goal, then SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-3132 to register your interest. Now, in a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve my goal and have tripled my passive income. To find out how, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-3132. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.